but it talked about being strong, courageous, and being victorious. Those things must be sort of closely related because they're in the song together. And I just thought, oh, wow, that that is just such a beautiful song, and it has such a message. Um, when Miss Melanie sent out the email that had all these different topics, the one about being victorious just kind of jumped out at me, and I'll tell you in a minute why. But I want to, first of all, thank Melanie for having the vision to have this retreat, this ladies' conference. This is probably the most real and unpretentious conference that I've ever attended. And I've been here for it. This is the fourth one. But everyone's just so real. And you know, um, last hour when we were talking about the different prayer requests, I have to confess to you, I was kind of nervous about getting up and, and speaking to you ladies. When I came out to California, I came out to be a, um, a junior high and high school Christian school teacher of Spanish and English. I'm much more comfortable standing up in front of a bunch of teenagers, but I'm, I'm glad to be speaking to you ladies. And that, that prayer time where you were just bearing your hearts and souls just made me think, oh, Lord, you're having me speak on being victorious. There's a definite reason for it, and I think I see it. Um, so um, that prayer time was, was just so sweet. So I want to pray just quickly before I start telling you why, um, why I'm talking about that and, and give you the, the different things that I need to say about it. Father, thank you so much for all that you do for us. Thank you so much for this retreat and just for... Um, the ladies being able to to feel free to share their hearts. Now we have these wonderful and and burdening uh, prayer requests that we need to take home and pray over. And we just um, ask that you would be with each prayer request. Be with me as I speak. Give me each word to say. And I pray that you would be honored and glorified through this. I pray in Jesus' name. Well, as I said, the idea of being victorious just kind of jumped out at me. And I, I was thinking, you know, there must be lots of Bible verses and passages that show us the way to be victorious. In other words, to have victory, how to be successful in the Lord, to be successful in the things that we do for our family and for our church and for the Lord. And then I got to thinking, wait a minute, what's the, what's the starting point of all this? I think it really involves how we think. If we can get our thoughts under control, if we can think scripturally, if we can think godly the way that God wants us to think spiritually, then I think that we can be victorious. It starts with our thought life. That is critical. And so then I got to thinking back to the beginning of the year, and my husband has been mentioning a particular verse over and over, and I thought of this verse again, Psalm 19:14. let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And I've been thinking about that verse. Are, my, are the thoughts of, are the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, are they acceptable in the sight of the Lord? Have you ever had a year where it seems like the Lord sort of picks a theme or a verse and he just keeps reminding you about it and you just, you just think about that all year and meditate on it and the Lord just really begins to use it in your heart? Well, that's the way that verse has been for me. So in the first part of the verse, it talks about the words of our mouth. And I got to thinking, you know, I think that's the easier part of the verse. We're usually really careful with what we say to each other. We try to be edifying 
and encouraging. We don't want to be discouraging to anybody. We've all heard of new Christians or maybe even Christians who are a little older in the Lord. Someone will come up to them and say something that's discouraging, and they may even leave the church. We don't want to be guilty of that. We want to have a guard at our mouth. But I, I think when I think of our ladies, um, it's very seldom, if ever, that I've heard another lady say something discouraging to another lady. They all try to be encouraging to each other. And I got, a, got to thinking about my grandma's kitchen cabinet, one of her cabinets. You would open it up, and she had just a little piece of paper taped in there, and this is what it said. Watch your tongue. It's in a wet place and apt to slip. And that's just a, a bit of um, wisdom there. And it's completely based on scripture, isn't it? So we need to be careful what we say. But then the other part of that verse, to me, is the hard part. It's the one that says, the meditation of my heart. And all year long, believe me, this has been convicting for me. Um, I think, I've been thinking, do I worship and lift up the Lord? Do I praise him? You know, stop and think about it. Our minds are a very private world. We don't have to tell another soul on earth what we're thinking or the reason behind it, but God knows everything. He knows what we're thinking. He knows why we're thinking it. And, you know, um, along that line, uh, we need to remember that what we think about God is very important. That tells a lot about us. Do we feel that he's a trusting God, a faithful God, all those wonderful attributes that he has? What do we think about him? If we want to be a godly and spirit-controlled Christian, we need God's help in order to think rightly. And we, some people, well, we all have maybe have a tendency to think, oh, it's so hard to think correctly. But God commands us, and he wants to help us. And since it is a command, He's the one who makes it possible for us to think correctly. Um, you all probably know Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and of course there is, and if there be any praise, of course there is, think on these things. When he gives us a command, he gives us his, his power to be able to do it. So the things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely. I think I left one out. True, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. All those things are possible for us to think on because he gives us that command. But the reality is that any of us can stray away from biblical thinking, right thinking, the way that God wants us to think. Um, we have three enemies, and Miss Melanie mentioned them, and I thought this is interesting because I have them in my talk as well. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And like she said, a lot of times we tend to blame the devil for something that really may be something that came from the world or from our own flesh. All it takes is a seed thought planted in our minds. I see some of you nodding. We've all fallen prey to this. All it takes is a seed thought planted in our minds, and if we allow that seed thought to grow, then Satan is more than happy to help that process along. Remember, he wants to draw us away from God, and like Miss Melanie said, he's in this game for keeps. He's not just playing some simple little game. He is cruel. 
he is cruel and he wants to draw us away from God. So as we allow our thinking, when we allow our thinking, because I think we all um, have this happen, a stronghold begins to develop. And in scripture, we're going to be taking a look at, at this um, short little section in scripture in just a minute. But um, a lot of times we say stronghold and we kind of run the words together. But in the scripture, it's actually in two words. So it is a strong hold that Satan wants to have on us. Um, it's something in our minds that we believe and oftentimes even act on, but it's not true. It's a lie or a fantasy, or an imagination, or an untruth, and uh, Satan wants us to believe it, and he wants to encourage that and just draws farther and farther away from God. It's been said that the only weapon that the devil has is the lie. He is a defeated foe, so we fight him from victory. He is, is not going to win, we know that, but um, a lot of times we give in to him. So he will tell us a lie. And if we can believe, if we believe that lie, then he just encourages that lie to grow. And he wants more of those lies in our lives. He wants those to grow and just to, um, you know, really be uh, strongholds in our lives. So as we allow Satan to do that, if we allow him, he is gaining more and more of a stronghold. And remember, that stronghold goes up brick by brick. It's been said that Rome, the city of Rome, didn't happen overnight. And um, same with strongholds. That's exactly the way that it happens. And I want to share you a, uh, share with you an account of my husband. And I know he's going to be okay with this because our church knows. About 20 years ago, he was going through a time of depression. And what had happened was he had allowed strongholds of Satan to get into his life. And so we flew to um, a counselor who was several states away. And this particular man had counseled many people in um, full-time ministry, both in the pastorate, missionaries, and other people. And so um, we got there on a Sunday night. We met with this man Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday through the week. But on Wednesday, my husband had a session with this man, just just this, this man and him. And so they were meeting, and my husband suddenly realized, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you, he suddenly realized, as he puts it, he says he was the classic double-minded man. And so the counselor said, when did you realize that? And my husband said, I just now realized it. And so this counselor wisely said, I want you to go back to your room and write down all the lies of Satan that you can identify, write them all down. And to this day, ladies, I've never seen that complete list. He wrote down 12, 12 lies of Satan that he was believing. And you might think, well, he's a pastor, so he would be more of a target for Satan, right? But you know what? Satan doesn't want to just defeat pastors and their wives. He wants to, to defeat all of us and make us so that we are not useful for the Lord. And so it took my husband probably several years of really just digging into scripture. One of the lies he believed was that God doesn't, didn't love him. And so that can be one that we can fall prey to. Another one was that he believed, well, God answers prayers for other people, but he's not answering my prayers. So you see, you know, Satan just gets in there and he can just twist our thoughts and getting us to believe something that's not true. And that becomes a stronghold in our lives. Think about these two examples. I'm just going to give them quickly. Eve in Genesis, Satan planted doubt in her mind. And really, it was a lie. Yea, hath God said? 
She knew that she could trust God, but Satan came along and planted that doubt. How about Peter? Before Christ was crucified, um, the Lord himself told um, Peter, he said, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Satan wanted to destroy Peter, and Satan wants to do the same thing with us. Peter thought that there was no way that he was going to deny or betray the Lord Jesus, and yet that's exactly what he did. Before the cock crowed, he had denied the Lord, and then, of course, he went out and wept bitterly. And I want to take a look at um, the verses that talk about the strongholds that Satan wants to um, set up in our lives. It's in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. You can just listen, or if you want to turn there, either way, or just write down the reference. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So if I just kind of walk you through those verses quickly, the first part, though we walk in the flesh, you know, we're in our, our mortal bodies, we do not war in the flesh. We can't possibly fight this war with our flesh. And then that says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but mighty through God. God has the answer and he wants to help us with this. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of those strongholds. So we need God, we can't do it on our own. Casting down imaginations, getting rid of those lies, those unbeliefs, those untruths, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. That section right there, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, makes me think of the portion in Isaiah where Satan was saying, I will be like God. I will be like the Most High. I will all those I wills where he wanted, you know, he seemed to think that he could be better than God or higher than God. Well, that was impossible. But that section makes me think of that. And bringing every and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, our safest place is to trust and obey Christ. That is the safest place that we can be. So, um, I have to tell you one more thing. That speaker, um, that counselor that, that my husband was meeting with has spoken at our church. And um, in the last couple, last several years, he was at our church for a men's meeting. And he said to the men, I forget how many men we had there, probably 160 or 170 men were there. And he got up and he said, I want you men to know that every one of you probably believes in at least one lie of Satan. So you know, they can get, those lies of Satan can get into our lives and we may not even realize it. So if we, um, we need to pray that God would show us when we are, are having a stronghold in our life. And then there are steps that we can take if we suspect that we have wrong thinking and it needs to be corrected. The first one would be to agree with God, confess, um, God already knows about it, so we just need to admit, take responsibility, and own it. You know, we need to call sin what it is. It's not a mistake. It's not um, something else. It, it, it is sin, and we need to confess it for what it is. Sometimes we kind of hate admitting when we're wrong, don't we? You know, we just we don't want to admit when we have a problem or when we're wrong. Psalm 32.1, though, says this, 
Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. I love that verse. Number two, take action. Draw near to God. If we seem, if we feel like we're far away from God, he didn't move, we did. And this makes me think of James 4, 8. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. So how do we do that? To be more specific, we need to do the basics. If we've gotten away from Bible reading, we've got to get back into that. Prayer, and I haven't really mentioned prayer a whole lot in this, and yet my whole talk has to be covered with prayer. Fellowship. We need to be at our local church. And then I put down being at church for the preaching. And I have stressed this with the ladies at our church. Um, so often people think that, you know, they can just read their Bible at home. And our Bible reading is so important. That's got to be done on a daily basis. But your pastor spends hours and hours getting ready for each message. I know because I see my husband study. In fact, we have a, a home office at home. If he's studying and I can tell that he's focused, I try not to go in there. I don't want to break his concentration. It's important. Your pastor spends hours and hours of study that you probably don't have, that I probably don't have. And so those messages are important for our spiritual growth. Um, the next thing, number three, put on humility. Much like we put on clothes. In fact, I'll read a verse in a minute that talks about that. Put on humility. Nothing is going to happen if we are proud. We must humble ourselves before God. James 4, 6 says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. If we will humble ourselves before God, then he gives that grace. 1 Peter 5, 5 is the verse that talks about being clothed with humility. And then just two more steps um, for actions that we need to take. Number four, submit to God. So what does that mean? What does it mean to submit? It means to yield, to stop resisting, to bow to God, to give in, to surrender. We need to, to submit to God, just surrender to him. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Yield to him. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That is critical. Choose to also, along with that, choose to believe and apply God's word regardless of what our minds or feelings tell us. You know, we can't trust our feelings, but we can trust um, our minds when they're thinking correctly. So we have to be we have to be thinking the way that God wants us to. And then this one, number five, might kind of surprise you, but I'll explain why. Number five, give thanks. You stop and think about Daniel in chapter six. He was so faithful to the Lord. It really is just a wonderful thing to see. When he knew that there was a great possibility that he was going to be thrown into the lion's den because the Medes of the law, the laws of the Medes and Persians could not be changed. He went to his house. He kneeled. He prayed and he gave God thanks. So giving thanks is very, very important. Philippians 4, 6 tells us, be careful, that means worried or anxious for nothing. We're not supposed to worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, 
which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Every time I see that word Thanksgiving in a verse, it always makes me think of a holiday, but of course it isn't capitalized. But we are not supposed to be worried or anxious about anything. But that thing about Thanksgiving, that is so important. I love this, the, um, the verse seven also, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. Um, I think when we are close to the Lord, we do have a peace that we just, it passes understanding. We can't even begin to understand it. It is just so wonderful. So God has given us the Bible as our sword. Uh, we were talking earlier about Ephesians 6 and all the different thoughts there. Our one and only weapon is the sword. That's what God has given us. And so that is the Bible. And that's what we can use to fight against Satan's false ideas. And I want you to think of Christ in Matthew chapter 4. Remember how Satan tempted him three times? And all three times Christ said, it is written. So there are several areas, and I'm going to give you four, that are kind of specific challenges when it comes to um, our thoughts becoming what they're not supposed to be, being ungodly or not being scriptural. The first one is being unteachable. And there are some warning signs that you may think, oh, I'm not unteachable, I'm happy to learn, but I'm going to um, just give you some warning signs. One of them would be not recognizing a need for growth. Um, about 25 years ago, my husband, were, uh, my husband and I were out on visitation, and there was a man that we were specifically seeing. We were inviting him to church, and he said something like, oh, I, th I think I know everything from the Bible that I need to know. And it was all I can do not to let my mouth fall open. I thought, wow, I'm still learning. And um, But this man said, you know, he thought, he knew everything, so so that was definitely being unteachable. He was not recognizing a need for growth. How about this one? Being unwilling to change your opinion. None of us is ever right 100% of the time. I know that I've had wrong opinions in the past, and um, I'm sure you have too. Are we willing to listen to the counsel of others? You know, God sends people along to give us wise counsel, and we need to be willing to listen to that and learn from it. Do we let scripture influence our opinion? Wow, we better. God is infinitely wise. He knows so much more than we do. You see all the verses of scripture, that becomes abundantly clear. How about if we're sort of inwardly smug with others who disagree with us? That's kind of a warning sign. Um, are we willing to change our opinion when new truth is presented? So we need to be open to that kind of, kind of a thing. Acts 17 talks about the Bereans and the Thessalonians. There was such a difference between those two. Scripture tells us that the um, Bereans were more noble because they did an honest, um, with an open heart and open mind, search of the scriptures daily because they wanted to learn. They wanted to make sure that they were thinking correctly and they wanted to learn from God. So those were more noble than the ones in Thessalonica. Um, one final thing here, being unwilling to receive correction. And sometimes we can just think that we don't need to be corrected. I want to give um, give uh, a short story just real quick here. Sometimes um, we can come across with a know-it-all attitude, and, and uh, we don't want to be that way. But especially when family 
or a close friend comes to us and they share something with us. Years and years ago, we have, well, we have three kids, Heather, Michael, and Julie, and many years ago, our in-laws came to us. Heather must have been about four, and I think Michael was about two and a half. And our in-laws came to us and they pointed out something that we had a blind spot to. They said that they felt like we were being pretty hard on Heather and pretty easy on Michael, probably because Heather was four approximately and Michael was about two and a half. So we were kind of letting him off the hook and we were being kind of hard on Heather. Now, if we had said, oh, what do they know? then that could have been disastrous. But we went ahead, we listened to them, and I thought, you know, I'm grateful that they felt like they could tell us so we could make the correction in parenting and make it so that we were disciplining the, the kids properly so that um, so that we weren't being hard on Heather and, and easy on Michael. Um, I'm going to read Proverbs 15, 31 and 32, and I think these two verses go right along with what we're talking about. The ear that heareth reproof of life abideth among the wise. If we will listen to reproof, the ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. Okay, so we've talked about the first one, being unteachable. The next one is being unforgiven. And by the way, um, being unforgiving. And by the way, if we don't take care of this one, this one can turn into bitterness. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Sometimes unforgiveness kind of shows up in ongoing strained or broken relationships, especially with family and if that is not taken care of, that can really develop into a problem. Um, I happen to have a sister-in-law who um, she feels like she's right about everything. She has distanced her sisters. She has distanced us. If we disagree with, with her on something, you know, that's maybe more major, not something tiny, but she um, has distanced herself from family and from us. And so literally when we have family get-togethers, she will not come. And it's just, it's really sad. So that's one thing that we need to watch out for. Um, broken relationships need to be mended. Here's another one. Unforgiveness is often revealed by suspicion and a lack of trust. Because what unforgiveness can do is it warps our view of others. When we look at them, we're not looking at them correctly. We're not thinking about them correctly. And so that is something to watch out for. And then sometimes it involves past hurts. Those need to be dealt with as much as they can so that we don't start thinking the worst of someone else. If they have hurt us, we need to try to take care of the situation as much as we can. But sometimes then if it can't be taken care of, it just involves needing to forgive them just to, just to take care of it. God is our pattern, isn't he? Since he is a God of restoration and forgiveness and he shows us how to do that there's something i want to read to you that i have on my phone let me get to it quickly the story is told about a doctor this is a long time ago a doctor who had many patients but not all of them could pay their bills his wife always pressured him to collect but he refused they lived a comfortable life and he was better off financially than most of the people he treated 
After the doctor died, his wife decided to get her pound of flesh. But when she flipped through his billing records, she found next to each name the word forgiven written in red ink. Undeterred, she went to a judge to enforce payment. The judge said, your husband was the one who, to whom the debt was owed and he chose to forgive. You cannot collect. Isn't that, I think that is just a great story. And I want to read Colossians 3:13. Listen to these words. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And you know something? Life is too short to have a spirit of unforgiveness. Um, we just, we need to get those things taken care of so that we can move on and serve Christ together. Um, the third one I want to talk to you about is being unhappy. And I haven't run into too many people like this. I'm sure you haven't either, but I thought I'm going to talk about it just a little bit anyway. God wants us to have joy, but he also wants to, us to be happy. And we can tell that from Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, the word is blessed. And you think about blessed are the meek, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. And I want to mention something too. My husband and I love to watch the Andy Griffith show. Well, on the Andy Griffith show, you know, there's Andy Griffith, the sheriff, and then there's um, Barney Fife, his um, deputy. And I remember there's one, I can't remember what exactly is going on, but Andy says to Barney, he's talking about a lady in the town. He says, well, you know, she always enjoyed poor health. <laughs> it always makes us laugh. She always enjoyed poor health. <laughs> And I think some people do enjoy being happy. I don't know if it's for the attention, you know, that, that it gives them or whatever. Um, so what can be some of the causes? Really, this can happen to any of us, and maybe we don't even show it on the outside. There can be a dissatisfaction with the circumstances of our lives. Well, you know what? No one has a perfect life. We all have circumstances that we wish we could change. But God knows about all of those circumstances, and they are under his control. If they are things that we cannot change, then we just need to turn them over to him. John 10.10, 10, and this is talking about all of us. This is for all of us. I am, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And how about also Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So we can have a dissatisfaction with the circumstances of our lives. We can also have a persuasion that God and others are not treating us the way that we deserve. Like maybe we think we need more money or more possessions. Um, and I read a book some time ago by uh, Terry Chappell, It's a Wonderful Life, and she said that especially as we get older, we need to watch this one because we can become um, persuaded that maybe we don't have enough money or we don't have enough possessions, and we can really um, let that eat away at us. Um, more possessions. I don't know about you, but I think I'm becoming a minimalist. I'm trying to get rid of stuff in my house. It just really is liberating to get rid of stuff. Um, I'm shredding stuff at home. Um, I'm the church secretary, so with permission, I'm shredding stuff at the church that we don't need anymore. Oh my goodness. So I'm getting rid of box after box after box. It's just such a wonderful feeling. So more position, more possessions. And then more money. Um, 
Riches are uncertain. Scripture tells us that. They can grow wings and just fly away. I have a sister who's also a pastor's wife, and she said, this was a few years ago, it made me laugh. She said, she said about money, she said, nah, it's only money. <laughs> I said, Becky, that's funny, but you're right. Really, it is only money. Um, so we tend to praise God in the good times, but sometimes we struggle in the bad times. But really, we need to praise God in all times, don't we? He is wise. He knows what we need. He knows the path that we take. So what can result from this? Three things, and they all begin with D. First of all, disillusionment. We can become disillusioned because of that. We can become discouraged. And if we really let it go, we can become depressed. And I want to carefully say a word about this because I am not qualified to be a counselor. Um, I do remember one time, I think it was about 35 years ago, we were living in Hollister, and I knew that I was in depression, and I needed to just turn that over to the Lord. And whether it lasted a few weeks or a few months, I don't remember. But I remember just, it felt like there was, it was the, there was this black cloud just kind of hanging over me, and eventually it lifted. But I want to say something. If you are sensing depression, first of all, rule out physical causes. But secondly, See your pastor and his wife. They will be able to help you or at least be able to point you in a good direction. So don't let depression, don't let any of those continue. Disillusionment, discouragement, depression, they need to be taken care of. But depression would be, mean the, be the most serious. Psalm 42.11 says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. So he knows all about, all about us. He is the health of our countenance. He is our God. We don't need to be disquieted. And then there's a fourth one I want to talk about. We've talked about um, being unteachable. We've talked about being unforgiving, being unhappy. And the last one I want to talk about is being unbelieving. How many times have we missed out on what God has for us because we are unbelieving? I think it happens to all of us. Um, there can be a spirit of fear. We all encounter fear, but basically speaking, are we fearful or are we faithful? And this made me think of Peter on the water. Remember, he was walking toward the Lord, and then he started looking at the waves around him. And he fell down in the waves, and, and the Lord picked him up. And then I think of the, the father of the demon-possessed son in Mark chapter 9, where that father said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. So he knew that up to a certain measure, he believed, but he wanted the Lord to help him with the part of him that was unbelieving, you know, like the, the rest of that. So we need to, um, to strive for that. Our faith doesn't need to be perfect. We just need to have enough faith to come to the Lord. And then I think he grows our faith. We, but basically speaking, we don't want fear to stop us from obeying. We need to be obedient. We need to, uh, we need to put our trust in the Lord. Um, Romans 10, 17 so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's our source of faith, God's word. Uh, here's another thought. Faith is primarily thinking. So we have to have our brains engaged, and we have to ask the Lord 
for help. Faith is the opposite of unbelief. And then there can also be a hopelessness for the future. If we are unbelieving, it can change our outlook from being optimistic to pessimistic. But you know, the Lord isn't pessimistic about our future. He is optimistic, and I know that from Jeremiah 29, 11. It says there, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. So we talked about um, encountering fear. Are we fearful or faithful? We don't want to have hopelessness for the future. The third one would be constant worry. 90%, or at least they say this, 90% of what we worry about never happens. So sometimes we think, well, I'm going to make sure I worry about it, and then that will ensure that it does not happen. <laughs> I'll never forget when my son shared that with me over the phone a few years ago, and it just made me start laughing. I said, oh, well, I'm going to worry more, because then that will make sure that it doesn't happen. <laughs> but we know that it doesn't work that way. We're not supposed to be careful or anxious for anything. Philippians 4, 6 says, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, I know we read this verse already, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And here's something that you might never have heard, but um, I think it's, it's really a, a good little saying, and I can't remember who came up with it. When the mind is at rest, the body will be at rest. If our minds are going, I know to me it seems like when it's bedtime, um, I've told my husband he can't tell me anything really heavy. Sometimes you do get heavy news. I think men uh, Megan mentioned getting heavy news at night. Sometimes that can't be helped. But generally speaking, I don't like to hear anything heavy at night because then my mind just keeps going and it keeps racing. When the mind is at rest, the body will be at rest. Um, if our mind isn't at rest, it can result in headache or our heart racing or our mind racing. Um, so we all need God's help to control our thoughts, but it can be done. So when you think about uh, this whole thing, we don't want Satan's strongholds in us. We want God's help. And I want us to, I want you to turn to Psalm 18. It should be right in the middle of your Bible pretty much. We don't want strongholds. We want God's strong tower, his high tower. And we're going to read just verses 1, 2, and 3. And I thought this would give us a nice contrast. Psalm 18, verses 1 to 3. And they say, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower, I will call upon the Lord who was worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you that you are the God that you are. You care about each detail of our lives. And Father, help us to dig into scripture so that we will not have any of Satan's strongholds in our lives. Help us to trust in you as our strong high tower. We know that we can. Father, I would ask that you would help each of these ladies to grow and to just, uh, to just grow in their faith in you, Father, just uh, work in each of us what is needed. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.